0: Greetings to my listeners. I hope you're enjoying your day, evening, afternoon, whatever time zone you're at. (laughs) So in this uh, episode, I talk about um, leadership as always. And uh, particularly for this episode, I've chosen my book. I'm going to be reading uh, some uh, short aspects about uh, emotional intelligence, one of the chapters of my book. And I'm going to talk about uh, what's my understanding of emotional intelligence quotient emotional intelligence and why is it that I believe it's the uh, it's something which is at the heart of leadership so I'm sure you would have heard of this term intelligence quotient or IQ as we commonly call it it's a measurement of cognitive capabilities and IQ tests are standards you know standard in schools and other areas of academic pursuit another measure that has gained a lot of attention and application over the last decade is emotional intelligence. It's basically the capacity to be aware of and control, at the same time express one's emotions and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and with lot of empathy. There are different dictionaries and the think tanks that I, I have referred to, they all offer different definitions and different components which actually include things like self-awareness and self-regulation, motivation, empathy and social skills. Finally, all leading to relationship management. So emotional quotient has to do with knowing and controlling yourself and playing with others. So what did I learn? Through the landscape and scope of emotional intelligence has entered the leadership space. Many of us often wonder what emotions have to do with leadership. The short and simple answer to this question is everything. According to the World Economic Forum, emotional intelligence is one of the top 10 skills needed to succeed in 2020 and beyond. Many things are expected out of you as a leader, isn't it? You have to build consensus. You have to know your people. You have to foster trust in your teams, give them directions and hold a vision. You also have to resolve conflicts and in fact it would be great if you could spot discontent brewing before it takes a shape of a full-fledged conflict. Leaders must have a finger on their team's pulse, the organization, the client needs and moods as well as the market realities. They must grow and develop themselves consistently as well they cannot afford to rest on their laurels. Hey, that's a long to-do list and we all agree. And yet, if you look at what underlines all of these demands made of the leadership, it is the capacity to know, know oneself, gauge the other and impact people and the environment around. It is still a tall order, I agree ladies and gentlemen, but when we see the unifying aspects that form the core of good leadership it becomes more manageable so let me share an example that showcases the importance of developing emotional intelligence in leaders it was in 2008 when i was joining back <laughs> when i was you know when i had actually joined emphasis bpm to drive best practices in the customer services area and we used to call it as Customer Service Center of Excellence or COE. I did not expect to be pulled into the thick of operations as well. One of our telecom businesses was ramping up, yet some of the key performance indicators or as we call them KPIs in our industry language, these KPIs were not being met. We were on a contract and it was clear that either we shape up or we shape out. So we are, we were on a red corner notice. <laughs> so I call this story as baptism by fire. Swaminathan D. Swami, as we lovingly call him, our chief operating officer at that time, whom I was reporting to, asked whether I was willing to roll up my sleeves and jump in, even though this was over and above my profile. Hey, life in business really comes with a job description, isn't it? And so. I said yes. As you can imagine, this presented an awkward situation for my colleague, who was then managing the process. And while the request was based purely on professional necessity, there was a personal and emotional aspect to it as well. My involvement created a sense of threat. I could sense the resistance to the fact that someone with similar experience and credentials was being brought on board to firefight. Most of the suggestions I made or the interventions I recommended were refuted or challenged. With a tight timeline and high stakes, I knew something had to change, else we were headed towards failure. I cannot say that I knew enough about emotional intelligence at that time to to have decided my next steps. Still, somehow, somewhere in my gut, I knew that we had to talk through in a safe and mutual understanding environment and to create the alignment and synergy required to bring this process to a successful closure. To build build an environment of trust and commitment, I took the following steps. Align my work hours to map with the teams, which is night shifts for about five months, rolled up my sleeves and participated in floor walks and observing calls in in contact center language we call it side jacking Spent time with high performers during breaks in capturing their best practices participated in client calls internal performance review meetings and vendor manager interactions both formal and informal so we used to have smoke breaks. Though I don't smoke, I used to have smoke smoke breaks where our vendor partner um, uh, would would enjoy a smoke break, and I would accompany him sometimes over a cup of, you know, holding a cup of hand um, in my hand and and set up a an informal conversation with him. So, participated in client calls, internal performance reviews, and vendor manage uh, manager interactions. I also worked closely with the quality and training teams and shared some of their workloads. My colleague felt similarly happy and through a series of closed-door conversations where we aired our apprehensions and concerns, we were able to agree on presenting a unified face to the team. Such an action is not manipulation. A team needs to know that its leadership is pulling in the same direction. The leadership needs to create spaces where differences can be respectfully put out and a consensus reached. While this may sound like a familiar story and the approach may seem commonsensical, we often forget that people must develop a range of internal skills to allow such conversations to bear fruit. Much dialogue and talking occurs in personal and professional spaces without positive results. It would be fair to say that We did have our own share of disappointments and heated exchanges, asking our leaders to help us by intervening and as and when it was needed. It took a churn to see and get out of clear waters. Having executive level support from Swami, Chief Executive Officer, CEO, uh, Amitabh Chaudhary, his office, uh, all the support we needed, it helped us. Moreover. The results were positive and within five to six months, we were able to really salvage. We were able to uh, deliver results and regained the client's confidence. So there was a lot of sweat and toil. The teams, uh, they they deserve all the um, recognition and accolades. It was not just me and my colleague who, who um, really worked hard. It was a team effort. So with their sweat and toil, we were able to deliver Good quality results so finally um, emotional intelligence and the and the financial bottom line there is a strong correlation often companies put emotional intelligence in the bracket of soft soft skills isn't it which gives it a sort of step cousins treatment that's what I feel Uh, technical and process level skills become the hard skills and the rest is seen as the icing that's good to have but not essential Nothing could be further from the truth. There are numerous documented examples of how people with greater capacity to harness the power of their own emotions and connect with those, um, with others have created a real, tangible and financial value to the organizations. According to a research paper titled The Business Case for Emotional Intelligence that was published on Workforce.com. It says, restaurants managed by managers with high emotional intelligence showed an annual profit growth of 22% versus an annual average growth of 15% for the same period. Besides, people with high emotional quotient scores make $29,000 more per year than their lower uh, EQ counterparts. I'll repeat, besides people with high EQ scores make $29,000 more per year more than their lower EQ counterparts. I hope the story, these anecdotes, the reference material uh, triggers some thinking in you and, um, and you get some ideas on how do we really manage our emotions. It's not an easy journey, ladies and gentlemen, but someone has to make a start, isn't it? Have a wonderful day, afternoon, evening, whichever part of the world you are. I hope you enjoyed this session and I look forward to your feedback. Thank you all.